0: Our Advent scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God, from God, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The word of the Lord.
1: The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Amen. We're reflecting on Christmas carols again this Advent season. We're, we're trying to glean hope from these classic carols that you've, many of you have probably sung most of your life. And, gives us a chance to just reflect on them and, and their biblical background and try and apply them to what's going on in the world today in our lives today. Uh, today, we're going to look at what child is this? You know, I, the older I get with all my kids, that's what I say a lot when I forget their names, what child is this? It takes like 10 minutes to figure it out. Dane and I were just talking about today. You know, what chi- well, well, we know what child this is. We know who this we're talking about. So, this is a carol written by William Dix, um, published in 1865. It was part of a larger poem. Like it was inspired by a larger poem he had written called Manger Throne. Um, this was set to a famous English melody going back to at least the 1500s green sleeves. You've heard of green sleeves. Even Shakespeare referred to green sleeves. So, a very famous melody, very old. But since the 1500s, I've enjoyed some more, you know, modernized versions of, of the Carol. So I love Fernando Ortega's version of this Carol. I think one of my favorites is Phil Kagi's instrumental uh, on this. And I can't remember which orchestra in London, but one of the London orchestras accompanied him. That is a go-go look at the album, "Majesty and Wonder," by Phil Kagi, and he has a great instrumental version of what child is this. And I think my favorite of all time is the Vince Garaldi trio. Their version of this from uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas special. I love that one. So the babe, the son of Mary, is the way the refrain ends. Every time you sing that refrain, you finish by singing the babe, the son of Mary, right? And I obviously, it's rightly, it's right to sing about Mary's son, but today I just want to reflect on Mary. Just Mary. We're going to talk about Mary today because after all, she was the Lord's biological mother. That's a big deal. She bore him. She raised him. She no doubt worried about him. Right? If you're a mom, if you're a parent, she worried about Jesus his entire life. She loved him. She absolutely nagged him. The wedding in Cana is just a glimpse of the fact that Mary nagged her son, Jesus. She misunderstood him. You can see that throughout the Gospels. She misunderstood her son. She had a hard time accepting the man he was becoming and the way he would go about doing what God had called him to do. But she supported his ministry. She was there. She watched him die. She watched her son's execution. And she peered into the empty tomb where her son's body had just been laid. She marveled at her son's resurrection. And then think about this. For the rest of her life, she watched the world change because news of her son would continue to spread. Now, can you imagine following the life of your child Through those events? Can you imagine that? Every mother can relate to Mary in many ways. Every parent can relate to Mary in almost every way, but not in this way. Luke chapter 1, verse 35, we are told, the angel Gabriel says to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. We can't relate to that and you know there's no hint of ancient mythology in what the angel said to her you know the idea the ancient ideas and myths of the gods coming and having intercourse with human beings there's there's none of that here Uh, it's it's mysterious right the conception of Jesus and Mary is mysterious and it is miraculous but it's consistent with all the Hebrew Scriptures everything in the Bible that comes before Gabriel's announcement Leads up to this moment. So, the same Holy Spirit who, according to Genesis chapter 1, remember how the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters in the beginning, before the creation? Right? So, that same Spirit is going to essentially hover over Mary, is going to overshadow Mary. The same God who created everything from nothing is going to conceive a human child in a barren, uh, I'm sorry, in a virgin womb. The same concept, life from nothing. So it's not far-fetched if you read the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament. But raising God's son, okay, let me just say that phrase again if you're a parent. Raising God's son, okay? Just try and imagine that. That's what we're dealing with with Mary. And raising God's son should not rob her of her humanity. I want to say that. She's a human being. Being, being God's son, uh, it, does, it should not rob Mary of her weakness, and it certainly should not negate the fact that Mary was a sinner. Mary had a sin nature just like all of us have. But her most relatable quality, I think, is her routine, consistent faith. That's what I want to talk about. Mary's routine, consistent faith throughout her life, being the mother of the Messiah. Mary's lifetime of faith reminds us that God is with us. You can look at the... And people have written about this. You can look at the entire life of Mary as recorded in the Gospels, in the first chapter of Acts, and you just... That's a picture of our faith. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Are you a new Christian or you're young? You're trying to figure out what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, essentially, faith is believing that God is with you and arranging your life around that. And you see that in Mary from the moment Gabriel visited her and told her this this crazy news. Christian faith is believing that God is with you and arranging your life around that. God was with Mary... Is what Gabriel says, right? Angel visits her. And in verse 28 of Luke chapter 1, he says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, so obviously, Mary is quite overwhelmed. She's in the presence of a, um, a heavenly being, right? And the first thing he does is he comforts her. And he says in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Interestingly, the only other time in Scripture that somebody is spoken to like that by an angel is Daniel chapter 9. All the visitations by extraterrestrial beings to human beings in the Bible, only Daniel and Mary are referred to as greatly loved or highly favored, visited by Gabriel. What do we make of Mary, right? So an angel visits you and says... You are, like the King James Version puts it, highly favored. What, what do we do with that as Christians? Maybe you're not a Christian, but what do we do with that as human beings? An angel says you are highly favored. Well, you know, obviously Chris, Mary is practically worshipped in at least one Christian tradition. And that's, it's tempting to worship somebody like Mary, but it is very unwise, because if Daniel is not worshipped for being dearly loved, Mary should not be worshipped for being highly favored. These are human beings. As was the case with everybody in the Bible where God shows up and interrupts their life, we should admire their faith but not worship them. And, and what you see in Mary is what you saw in Moses and Abraham And David people like that in the Old Testament God shows up interrupts their lives to reveal his plan and how he's going to work his plan in them and through them now yes granted God did that for Mary in a uniquely profound way in all of history but she's still a human being whose life was interrupted when an angel said God has a plan and you're a part of that. You're, you have a role to play in God's plan. But Mary, so, so some traditions in the church basically worship her, but many more traditions practically overlook her. And, you know, I get it, because probably because Protestants for hundreds of years have always been looking for ways to disassociate themselves from the church of Rome. And I get that. But I think what western protestants have done is basically thrown the mother out with the bathwater you know by by trying to not worship mary mary's life was a profound witness and the way as a teenage girl she deals with this incomprehensible news is a profound witness to us today Just as we study with a lot of interest the the lives of um, Abraham and Jacob and David and uh, like the Apostle Paul, we should equally consider Mary. She's a teenage girl whose world was turned upside down. And then for the rest of her life, she was called to live and follow God as the mother of the Christ. Okay, so that's remarkable witness. I think what we first overlook, maybe, in Mary is her non-dramatic response to dramatic news. Okay, Like, this, I mean, this is crazy news, and her response is non-dramatic. Mary accepted the fact that God was with her. She accepted it. Now, don't misinterpret, so you look at verse 34, don't misinterpret her question to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? as a lack of faith in her. Kind of like Sarah in Genesis 18 basically laughs at God, right? God shows up and says, you're going to have a, you're going to have a child in your old age, and she laughs at him. Or uh, Zechariah, who's Mary's cousin-in-law, right, is told, the father of John the Baptist, Zechariah is told, hey, you're going to have a kid too. And he's like, no, that's not going to happen, right? Those were old married folks who expressed doubts that God could do it. This is a young teenage woman not expressing doubt that God could do it, but she's asking, how would God do it? How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the proof that she doesn't that she's not disbelieving this, the proof that she's not skeptical, the proof that she's acting in faith is verse 38. She says, as Avery said to the kids earlier, she says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. There's the non-dramatic response to dramatic news. She didn't say, hey, Gabriel, please wait until after the wedding. That would be so much more socially acceptable. Let us get a couple of kids under our belt, right? Like, I got to start with God's son. Can I have a couple of my own children first and get used to what this parenting thing looks like? She didn't say, we need to save, we need a life insurance policy, like, we got to work all this stuff out. How about you let us figure that out, you know, before we have to start this parenting thing? Some of you have twins. Friends of ours, they started with twins. I mean, that is a parenting juggernaut. You've never been a parent before and you start with twins, right? She's not a parent and she's being told, your son's going to be the Messiah, and she didn't say, this is my body. Go, 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 go uh, uh, misuse and disrupt somebody else's body, not mine. She didn't say any of that stuff. Rather, she calls herself God's servant, and she accepts the terms of the announcement in full submission. She accepts the word of God even though the pregnancy would look in that Jewish culture as though she deserved to be stoned to death for getting pregnant before she was married. So Mary, for the rest of her life, would have to wrestle with and embrace what we call the gospel, which is the essential claim of Christianity. And if you're a church person you're going to say, oh, well, the gospel is Jesus died for your sins so that you can go to heaven someday. I'm not arguing with that. But the gospel has wheels to it. The gospel is practical. And and practically speaking, Mary believed the gospel in that moment and struggled and wrestled with it for the rest of her life. The gospel is essentially what we are claiming when we sing these words in this carol, what child is this? When we sing the words this, this is Christ the King. That is the essential claim of the good news. Mary heard it, accepted the fact that, biologically speaking, God was with her, and she had to wrestle with that for the rest of her life and submit to the fact that God was with her. And it would change everything. Mary's witness can help you actually believe the gospel. Mary's witness can help you remember that God is with you and it can help you rearrange your life around that fact. John Calvin said about 500 years ago, let us learn, even when reason does not immediately appear, even when the reason does not immediately appear, to submit modestly to God and let us not be ashamed to receive instruction from her who carried in her womb Christ the eternal wisdom of God. How easily we scoff at God for having to rearrange our lives for Him. Have you scoffed at God for having to rearrange your life for Him, as Mary had to rearrange her life for the Christ child? I always talk about George Bailey at Christmas time. Tanay is no exception to that. So, you know, it's a wonderful life. The movie, George Bailey, has these big plans and, frankly, insatiable standards. So he's always miserable and frustrated because he, 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 his dreams are so big and his desires are so specific that he's always frustrated. So his insatiable standards are constantly upheaving his own inner peace. He's not at peace because he's always reaching, he always wants what's best. But you know, there's this supporting role in George's life, a person who was always grounded and always grounded George. It was another Mary, right? If you've seen It's a Wonderful Life, Mary Bailey stabilized George. She was always repairing the old house that they lived in. She was basically, let's be honest, raising the kids. It was Mary who spread the news that George was in trouble all over town. It was Mary who raised all the money to get George and the building and loan out of trouble. So using a Mary, uh, you know, using that supporting role illustration from Mary Bailey's life, let me ask you a direct question right now, and I've had to ask it of myself. Are you frustrated that your life is a supporting role to God's plan? that you are not the lead role in your life, but that your life is a supporting role to what God plans to do through you. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was at her best in a supporting role. And and that is what it means to be a Christian. The Christian, listen to this, the Christian is at her best, is at his best, when he realizes my life is a supporting role to Jesus, she arra- rearranged her life for him. All of it. From that early age and forever. I, sometimes we scoff at the fact that we have to rearrange our lives for God, but maybe, maybe you're a bit different than that. How easily do you scoff at God for having to reorder your intellect for Him? Your social sensibilities and assumptions, your ideals or ideologies, your intellect. Like other people in the Bible, how often do we raise intellectual or social, or economical, or financial doubt when God tells us something's coming. Now listen, you don't abandon your intellect as a Christian, and you don't ignore social issues. They're also very important. But you must reorder them, friends, you see. In your mind, you must reorder your intellect to follow Jesus. In your mind, in your heart, you must reprioritize the social norms of our age according to the plan of God. You must rearrange and reorder things. The world as you see it. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the Apostle Paul said to the church in Rome in Romans chapter 12. As creatures, we lack wisdom. We do lack wisdom as creatures. And what I love about that John Calvin quote earlier is he, he talked about the, the paradox that humanity lacks wisdom and yet God has given us his wisdom. The wisdom from on high is Jesus Christ. We lack wisdom and yet the wisdom of God has come in Jesus. So, faith is an active, submissive acceptance that God is with you. That's what we see in Mary's life. She wasn't perfect. But what we do see in her, even from when she was a girl, is this active, submissive acceptance that God is with you. Faith adjusts to circumstances, even the bad ones and the unanticipated ones. Faith adjusts reorders to circumstances and the reason that's possible is because of what the angel said in verse 37 to Mary nothing is impossible with God so you can trust God when he requires that you rearrange your life for him all things are possible with God you can reorder your mind You can reassess your assumptions and your ideals, and you can rearrange your life because Jesus rearranged his life for you. We will sing in this carol after I'm done speaking, nails, spear, shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. If you're struggling with an unexpected or uninvited difficulty, God is with you if you can say, This, this is Christ the King, whom I'm trusting, who I'm following. If you can say that, if you can believe, This, this is Christ the King, then God is with you, and all things are possible with God. Therefore, you can adjust, therefore, you can reorder. Therefore, you can say, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as has been said. Your role is to support his plans. And you can do that because nothing is impossible with God. And Mary discovered that. It was a long 30-year learning process for Mary. But she discovered that all things are possible with God. Her lifetime of faith reminds us that God is with us. So my challenge to you and my invitation to you this Christmas is to cultivate the same life of simple trust, accepting what God would have you do, being able to say, I am the Lord's servant. I do play a supporting role in God's plans for the world even if I lean more towards acting like George Bailey, God is calling me to be more like Mary Bailey. Or maybe for some of you, this Christmas is going to be the first Christmas where that plastic little baby in a manger really comes alive to you. When Jesus becomes more than a cultural tradition in a town square... You know, where Jesus comes alive for you and for the first time, you with faith come alive and you join us in singing these words, let loving hearts enthrone him. So we're going to sing, what child is this? And we're going to take communion. We're going to feast on the Lord's Supper at the same time. Christmas is a great time To celebrate the Lord's Supper, because we are told in the Bible the Lord's Supper is about proclaiming Christ's death until he comes. And that's where we need that bifocal vision of celebrating his first coming and anticipating his second. Let's pray. Oh Lord, our hearts are not lifted up. Our eyes are not raised too high. We do not occupy ourselves with things too great and too marvelous for us. But like weaned children, we have calmed and quieted our souls, like weaned children with their mothers. May we hope in you. May we hope in Christ alone as a church. Lord, we ask that you would bless our town, our county, and this world with the hope of our Savior. In his name, amen.